Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Ford has put the stock back in stock car, and now you can register for your chance to be Ford Performance's VIP guest and watch the NASCAR Next Gen Mustang hit the track for the first time in 2022. One grand prize winner and their guest will receive a trip for two to Daytona Beach with VIP access. Ford Performance driver meet and greets, round trip airfare, and more. Register now through November 7th at FordNextGen.com. That's FordNextGen.com. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. NASCAR has just announced it is official here at Talladega, and Bubba Wallace has been deemed the winner of the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega. Bubba Wallace, the winner at Talladega, his first ever career win at the NASCAR Cup Series level. Humbling. Um... You know, I've gone through a, uh, a lot of stuff, and uh, as, as every athlete would. And, um, you know, I've, I've thought about this moment a lot, and it's not your traditional burnout celebration victory lane, which is unfortunate, but um, there was this was the same feeling I had going into um, Martinsville 2013. Um, just prepared more than ever. I didn't even do anything different. It just something clicked, and uh, I was like, you know, I want to be more aggressive. And make sure we're there at the end not knowing the end would be the rain but just to be there and i just had a good feeling about it and so we're here i'm super proud of everybody on 2311 toyota mcdonald's doordash root um dr pepper i mean this is uh you know i didn't dream of being here when i was a kid but i mean it's kind of a dream come true nascar live is brought to you by Whelan engineering a global leader in the emergency warning industry trusted to perform since 1952 by xfinity x5 internet that's more than just fast xfinity proud premier partner of nascar and by blue emu maximum pain relief the official pain relief cream of the motor racing network blue emu is family owned and manufactured here in america it works fast and you won't stink from the mrn studios in concord north carolina here is your host woody kane Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live. Woody Kane with you filling in for Mike Bagley after the rain-delayed race at Talladega Super Speedway, but we've got a big show on tap for you tonight. Steve Post will join to talk about Bubba Wallace's first Cup Series win and reflect on what he was like as a kid. Ryan Blaney will join the show ahead of the Roval coming up this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. William Byron's crew chief, Rudy Fugel, will be here and will preview this weekend's racing action at the Charlotte Roval and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Rickey is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle? 
Woody, Bubba Wallace made history yesterday by becoming the first African-American driver to win in NASCAR's top series since 1963. It was also the first win for Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan's 23-11 racing. That team will expand to two cars next year, and Hamlin told media members this weekend at Talladega that a crew chief and charter for Kurt Busch's number 45 Monster Energy Toyota are set, but no official announcement has been made as of yet. This weekend, NASCAR heads to the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval for cutoff races in the Xfinity and Cup Series. And one Cup Series team will see some changes. Roush Fenway Racing will make a crew chief swap starting this weekend. Luke Lambert will move from the number 17 team to reunite with Ryan Newman to finish out the year, while Scott Graves will move over to Chris Busher's number 17 car. Lambert and Newman previously worked together from 2014 to 2018 at Richard Childress Racing, advancing to the championship four in 2014. Finally, sports car race Joey Hand will make his NASCAR Cup Series debut this weekend in Charlotte. Hand will drive the number 52 entry for Rick Ware Racing. Hand's sports car credentials include wins in the Rolex 24 Daytona, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and the 12 Hours of Sebring. Woody. Thanks, Kyle. Coming up, MRN's lead pit reporter Steve Post joins me to look back on Bubba Wallace's first career Cup Series win and later Ryan Blaney. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Whelan would like to congratulate Bubba Wallace and his 2311 Racing Pit Crew for the win at Talladega Super Speedway. They are the Whelan Pit Crew of the Week. Following his first Cup Series victory, Wallace summed up his emotions by thanking those who helped him along the way. I was one of those people that was telling myself that I haven't won. Um, and, you know, it's tough to, to kind of get out of that mentality. It's like, man, you just want to go out and compete and win. And uh, it just so happened today. And so I, I know now it's, well, he's got to win because it rained. But uh, everybody knew it was going to rain. Um, we were able to make a move there to keep us out front. And the caution felt at the right time. So, um, so yeah, just, uh, just appreciate everybody that's been in my camp to help me stay focused on the things that matter and eliminate the BS that I have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, because it's the moments like this to where I can go back and thank them and appreciate them because we're here, we're a winner. Got some credibility to my name now. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Woody Kane. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Monday was a historic day in NASCAR as Bubba Wallace became the first African-American driver to win on the NASCAR Cup Series level since Wendell Scott back in 1963 by winning the rain-shortened Yellowwood 500 at Talladega. Our Steve Post has covered Wallace throughout his career, dating back to Wallace's time racing Legends cars in the Summer Shootout Series. Posty had the chance to talk to Bubba in victory lane on Monday and joined me to look back on the path that led Wallace to this historic moment. NASCAR has just announced it is official here at Talladega, and Bubba Wallace has been 
deemed the winner of the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega. Talladega, a lot of history here. Back to 1963, Wendell Scott, you were part of the ceremony, the trophy ceremony a few weeks ago at Daytona. What does it mean to you as an African-American athlete to win a NASCAR race? Um, I mean, words can't describe it. You know, I've never paid attention because I didn't want that to be the main focus. And I just want to go out and drive and be a driver and just compete with all my competitors out here. And and uh, this is what happens when we can focus on going out and competing and just being a driver. Things settle in in place and history's made. Steve, guys who know you, fans who know you, know that you've been doing the, the summer shootout series for Legends Cars at Charlotte Motor Speedway for many years, decades in fact. And that's where you first encountered a young Bubba Wallace. Tell us about him at that point now that he's a big time Cup Series winner. I know, you know, Woody, one of the, it's one of the greatest gigs for the last 24 years. I have been the, the, the track announcer over at Charlotte for the, for the summer shootout. And I've seen all the kids come through and, and I'll never forget when, when Bubba came along, um, he was the, the thing that really, there, there's two things that really struck out with me uh, as far as Bubba. Uh, first and foremost, he was a very, very hardcore racer. Even, even as a kid, and we're talking, Woody, we're talking teens here, early teens. He was always on the gas. He was he was so uh, aggressive in in a great sense of aggressive. You know, a lot of times aggressive is a bad word. It was he always pushed it right to the right degree to get to the front of the field. And he was a hardcore racer. The other thing I remember about him though, and, and this always this this I, I I thought about this. You remember a few years ago when we had rain delays and him and Corey LaJoy got to throw in the football up into the stands. That was Bubba the kid at the summer shootout. He'd get out of that race car, crew would be working on it, whether it be throwing a football or wiffle ball or raising cane with somebody else, just always just full of life and personality. I mean, just two things stand to mind from Bubba the teenager are the same Bubba the Cup Series winner, full of life, full of personality, bigger than life smile. He, as a little kid, he had that bigger than life smile and he used it and showed it a lot. And then, boy, when he climbed in behind that Legends car, he was all business, and, and he had he had good success over there. He uh, won a number of races and just was always in the mix. He was always at the front of the field. He's, of course, an Alabama native for folks who aren't as familiar with his background, who moved to North Carolina as a kid and went to Northwest Cabarrus High School, graduated from there. So we here kind of claim him as our own now, yeah. even though he's an Alabama native. But that guy who, who moved through Northwest Cabarrus and then through the Legend Series and now to the top of the sport, just give folks a sense of, of how difficult it is to, A, get to that point and B, have success because you got to have the right team, the right equipment, the right chemistry with the people that you're around. So many things have to come together to have success at the highest levels of NASCAR. Well, yeah, and when you look at just legends racing alone, there's thousands of kids that have done it. And then you throw in, you know, micro sprint racing and all of the forms of feeder series of these kids. There's thousands of kids and, and to, to funnel them down and to funnel them down and to funnel them down, it takes it, it, it takes A, a lot of talent. And, and 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 Bubba has always had that. So have a lot of kids. It takes a Who lot don't of drive. Wind up making it. Yeah, it, exactly. It takes a lot of drive, a lot of commitment. It takes and, and, and I think I think Bubba being here in the Carolinas, obviously he got to know people at the shops and he got to know people and he was able to navigate and Man, this might not be a team you might want not to be with. This is a team you'd like to be with. And I just think he's been a 
He's been a student of the system. Um, and I think that's so important for a young race car driver is to, is as you climb that ladder from the Legends cars to the late model stocks to the K&N East series. And that's the that's the course that Bubba took and, and then to the truck series and then to get kicked back down and then to get back up and then to, and, and to climb and then to scratch and to claw. Um, I think that's the journey that every short track racer that has made it on the basis of talent. I think when you look at uh, Denny Hamlin is a guy that made it on the basis of just sheer talent, grit and determination. And he had a, Denny had a great break along the way when he got to meet the folks at Joe Gibbs Racing. But that's why you're out there fielding your late model and, and running your legends car and doing this is you've got to be out there. And, and Bubba has just constantly ground and dug and scratched and clawed. And, you know, he got the, got this little deal and got that little deal, won some truck series races, which were huge on his resume, prove he could do it. And it is a difficult challenge for any young driver to climb the ladder. And, and, and Bubba has done it. Obviously, he's done it very, very well. And let's be honest, it hasn't all been roses along the way. He's had some bumps in the road along the way as well. I remember uh, several years ago talking to him at Bristol uh, in, a, in a media session once when he was still with the 43 car. And he, at that point, was really down on himself and thinking things just weren't working out. Uh, there were some things going on in his personal life that weren't working out. But to see him from that low point to where he was just, just as discouraged as could be, to come back from that and to make it to the point that he has, it says a lot about his character, I think. Well, it says a lot about his character, Woody. And, and you know, in, in my previous answer, I talked about the struggle of every short track racer climbing that ladder. Let's throw in just the fact. He is an African-American. He is a black young racer climbing the ladder. And in talking with Bubba throughout the course of this, you know, the kids he raced with, that was no big deal to them. But there were some dads and some crew members and some other people that didn't necessarily have the nicest things to say about him and, and, and weren't shy. And so I can't even imagine, I can't imagine a, a, a driver climbing the ladder and then doing that at times to get such a personal attack as, as, as Bubba dealt with and yet to have the, the, the perseverance to carry on. I gained a real a lot of respect, and, and this is the time you're referring to, uh, when he went very, very public with his anxiety issues and had dealt with some depression. Um, I have had that with, with with someone in my family, and it's uh, prior to prior to Bubba coming out, it was a, it was a subject that was somewhat taboo to talk about. Um, you know, it might have been considered at one time a sign of weakness, and, and Bubba came out and he talked about it and how down he was and how he was doing things, and 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 now you look at it, and now it's far more open to talk about anxiety and depression and and counselors and and sports psychiatrists and and those type of people. But Bubba was still doing this a few years ago when maybe it wasn't. And and that to me just showed his strength of character, his strength of personality, the strength of who he is. And and and, and Woody, the, the, the one thing a lot of this is grounded in is his mama. I am telling you, man, Bubba, Bubba did well on the mama lottery or whatever you want to call it, because his mom is a strong, strong woman. And when Bubba was at those moments, like you talked about him down, she was the one that picked him up. And, and when Bubba got those moments where it was that snot-nosed, cocky little kid, she was the one that would knock him down, too. Um, 
he was very fortunate there and i think we see that grounding her grounding in him when he's dealing with those those anxiety issues and, and those depression issues when things were going on with his personal life when we've seen the career take one step forward and two steps backward when we see situations like we had at talladega last year where he's the focal point of 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 what at the time was believed some 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 racial targeting and the way he has handled this is just absolutely amazing i i i consider these summer shootout drivers my kids i consider them my kids and last year, and I think I put something on one of my social media channels, when we left Talladega and the way he handled it, uh, I, I, a lot of pride in my kid Bubba. And then, and then throw in yesterday, this weekend at uh, uh, yesterday at Talladega, man, I'm telling you what, um, he he is he is just a strong, strong man, and has really done well climbing this ladder with with hurdles that everyone has to face, and then hurdles that a lot of other people have not had to face. We would be remiss, Steve, if we didn't talk about the team. Let's finish with that. 2311 Racing has all the backing it could ask for from the partnership with Joe Gibbs Racing to Toyota being behind them to Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan being team owners with that organization. But there was a lot of curiosity and wonder about, are they really going to be good? Can they get over the hump? They've got Booty Barker on the pit box now, and it was his first win as well. Let's don't forget that. But moving forward, they're going to have Kurt Busch coming over as a, as a teammate next year and expand that whole organization. What's the future like for that team as we switch to this next-gen car and it's sort of a reset for everybody? I think this I think this could not be better timing. I, 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 hey, let's let, let's talk a little bit about something else that happened at the beginning of the year. I mean, in, in his in his newness to team ownership, uh, Michael Jordan said, we're going to win races this year. Well, no new team wins races. I mean, and so that kind of put everyone on edge. And, and you know, and it's, hey, I, I'm Michael Jordan. I mean, he's the iconic superstar basketball player. And yeah, he does expect to win. But to say that about a team coming into a season puts a lot of pressure on everybody. And remember, we went to Daytona and that's all the topic that Bubba had to deal with. Well, Michael says you're going to win. Well, Denny, Michael says you're going to win. Michael says you're going to win. And they're probably like, oh, I kind of wish he wouldn't have, kind of <laughs> wish he wouldn't have said that, you know, but here we are. Yeah. They did win, and they have won, and this sets them up well. Booty Barker came over as the crew chief. His first race was Bristol in August. Booty is, first off, Booty's one of my favorite people. I actually had some time Saturday or Sunday in the garage to catch up with him. I hadn't caught up with him because he'd been he'd been locked down at the shop prior to this, and so mm -hmm. had a chance to catch up with him, and just one of those really, really neat, neat people and I just when when I had heard that Booty was Booty was going to take over as Bubba's crew chief as Mike Wheeler transitions to competition director. Mike Wheeler, phenomenal guy, great guy. He's going to be a great competition director as they now expand to two teams. Um, I'm just like, wow, that sets up really good because I think Booty and Bubba might be a really really good combination. And then the guys on the team, the, the gas man is a buddy of mine, Big Ed Watkins. He's a former ECU football player. About eight foot 22 tall and a big teddy bear and i've been texting back and forth with him this morning and just the teams and the people work so hard in this sport and to see them get to celebrate is really really neat and and and, and again going back i know i'm bouncing around a little bit going back i just think the way that race played out yesterday is a sign of really good things with that chemistry between booty barker and bubba wallace 
I, I mentioned talking about Legends Car Racing. Bubba Wallace knew when to mash the button and knew when to go. And when he went, he was serious. He moved forward. Somewhere late in that race, when we got to the point of, we're not at halfway, this thing's going to be official, Booty unleashed him. Booty said, go now, go now, go, go, go get him. Main, you know, they did a great job preserving the car. And when they did, Bubba Wallace at the top of the racetrack with Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, or Ryan Blaney. I know Brad was in tow. They went around the outside of that field, and I'm watching that saying, this is Bubba Wallace Tuesday Night Legends cars. This is what this kid does. He goes to the front when it matters, when it matters the most. And so he did, got to the front, won the race. But a lot of that was that Booty Barker, be patient, be patient, be patient, now go. That timing was perfect, and that can only build their chemistry as well. 23-11 racing. We need to really keep an eye on them. I think the fund, you, you, you talk about the funding is there, the leadership is there, but this combination of Booty Barker and, and Bubba Wallace, Kurt Busch is over. They've already got a crew chief that Kurt has uh, been, been familiar with. They haven't announced it yet. They're in good shape. This is a team with the reset of next year. I think could be a lot of fun to watch and they, they could make some noise as we go into next year, I believe. Thanks, Steve. Coming up, I sit down with Ryan Blaney and later Rudy Fugel joins the show. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Woody Kane. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. You know, one person who's sure to be elated over Bubba Wallace making it to victory lane on Monday at Talladega is his longtime friend, Ryan Blaney. I had a chance to catch up with Blaney ahead of last weekend's race at Talladega as he eyes advancing to the playoff round of eight. Here comes Suarez. He'll turn Harvick. The entire pack is crashing. Blaney will get through with the lead. Chris Buescher to second as the pack will crash in a shower of sparks and flames. Everybody up into the outside wall and sliding down the banking in turn three here in Daytona. Caution on the speedway. Ryan Blaney will see the caution flag and the checkered flag. And Ryan Blaney and Todd Gordon go back to back. They win at Michigan last week. They win tonight here at Daytona. Let's talk about the broader playoff picture. You came in with all the momentum in the world, and you you haven't won again uh, yet, but you haven't had a bad race either. Is that kind of the key early in the playoffs is just don't do anything to, to knock yourself out? I think that's, that is definitely the, the big thing, I think, around one for sure, you know, um, and with the playoff points we had, um, you know, the, the big thing is just like, let's just, you know, just have solid runs. And you know, we didn't have the best to run at Darlington. We had a penalty and then we kind of had a mechanical issue, but we still were able to, other guys had bad nights too. But then, you know, solid runs at Richmond and Bristol got us in comfortably. Um, you know, had a, had a really solid blue collar night at Vegas, you know, kind of, we got caught out on that pitch cycle deal in stage two and had to take the wave around and come from the back and uh, got back to fifth. So I was really proud of the speed in our car to drive back to fifth. As you go through these rounds, does the pressure then amp up in terms of 
man, I've been okay, but I really got to get that win here if I want to if I want to be one of the one of the championship four. You know, I, I feel like you definitely are probably going to have to win. You know, if, if you make it to the round eight, you need to win. You know, to try to get into the championship four. So, um, I think you see it most years to where you know the people in the championship four or they win and there's one or two of them that make it on points so uh yeah it's it's definitely crunch time i mean you, you can't just rely on on solid runs anymore i think you have to you have to go perform and you have to go perform really well because there's you know so many great teams still in this playoff um you know race and uh i think it's time to step up i, I know our group we're getting really close and we've been really consistent and top five we just need to find that that winning speed here and um i think we can i think we can do it you mentioned the roval a moment ago so let's talk a little about that since it's right around the corner what makes the roval so unique compared to some of the other road courses and even in particular the ones that are part partly in the infield of tracks yeah it is different um you know i feel like you know gosh this is going to be the fourth year we go to the roval so it's kind of normal to us now you know i remember in 2018 everyone was like what are we doing this is ridiculous and um you know it's just a really unique place i, I feel like we have a decent idea about it um well i yeah, guess so you won there yeah yeah seas <laughs> parted at the right time and uh but but no i think you know it's just so unique because that's the first time we ever did anything like that you know you kind of make the infield portion the part of the road course and then you jump on the big track too you know the only place we do that similar style is daytona you know with really the high banking and stuff like that and it's really it's really hard you know people don't know that you know when you're going through a slow infield section like at the roval or daytona road course and then you jump up on the big racetrack and you're going 180 mile an hour you know that's road course cars aren't really built to do that you know they're kind of set up to go you know through road courses and left and right and um, everything compresses a lot on the big banking so it, it makes it pretty tough to kind of get your setup right but uh, the infield at the roval is is really tough because it's it's just narrow uh, you know there's no runoffs you know if you run off you're going to be most likely in the tires or, or wrecked so um, that's what makes it really hard to kind of be super precise um, and not make any mistakes i made a mistake last year i ran off in the grass leading the race um, it, and, and it kind of it put us in a bad spot um, so but just, you still just, rallied back for a top 10. Yeah, yeah, we, we were really fast. It makes it even worse that I spun out leading. Uh, but no, it's, it's a tough place, and um, but it's, it's nice to be able to go back there a few times. And a very unique, unique track, so it'd be nice to win there again. That'd be pretty special. I was talking with Martin Truex Jr. the other day, and he was talking about how, the just like you said, with that Roval being so unique and you have to factor in the big track part, he said it almost helps to have it have your setup work as well or better on the big track than the infield part because of what you mentioned that it's so narrow how do you approach your setup there what are you looking for yeah i mean that's important for sure um you know it's, it's just the balance uh you know we're going you know through the the oval turn three and four into that final chicane the car can it doesn't doesn't handle very good over there i mean it's you're kind of washing up the racetrack and you're lifting through that corner um, just cause the, you know, the front toe you got in the car and it's just cambers. You're not, you know, it's not built to go that fast left. You know, they're, they're made to go left and right on the road courses. So that makes it tough. And it sets you up for that, for that little, you know, chicane right there that leads on the front stretch. So you have to really have your car set up good. So it's kind of a fine balance. You, you pick out your passing places, you know, like turn one's a pretty good place to pass somebody. 
Um, and then, you know, onto the oval turn one, you can pass somebody and then off of the chicane or the bus stop on the back. So you kind of pick out those places where you're like, hey, you know, I need to get off this corner good or I need to break into this corner really good. And, and you try to work on your setup around that. All right, Ryan, we appreciate your time. Congratulations on a fine season. No matter what happens from this point on, it's been a really good year and, and good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Coming up, we'll hear from the crew chief of the number 24 at Hendrick Motorsports, Rudy Fugel. And later, we preview this weekend's cutoff race at the Charlotte Roval. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Woody Kane. We're back on NASCAR Live, and you know, William Byron will be up against it this Sunday at the Charlotte Roval as he sits 44 points outside the top eight in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings after Talladega. His crew chief, Rudy Fugel, talked to our Mike Bagley as the team strategizes ahead of this weekend's race. William Byron on his way off turn two. Dominating performance this afternoon for William Byron. He and Rudy Fugel sending an early season message to the rest of the garage. William Byron through turns three and four for the final time here in Homestead. Late race domination by William Byron. He comes off for final time. Checkered flag waving here at the start finish line. And the Dixie Fatka 400 win belongs to William Byron. The second win in his career. William Byron scores the win here tonight at the Homestead Miami Speedway. You know, a lot's been made about no practice and no qualifying, obviously based on the COVID situation last year, what we did last year, and, and it rolled into this year, except for eight times we'll have the opportunity to practice and qualify. We've been talking about the, the stress that creates on the driver, not having the opportunity to get track time. But what about you as a rookie cup crew chief? What's the effect on that on on you to try things and not have the ability to to try things or or maybe go into a race weekend with an altered agenda? What's that been like your first time through? Yeah, no, it's um, it, we kind of got a little bit used to it last year, even though it wasn't in the cup series. But um, it definitely it's it, the weekend goes uh, a whole lot more like we're used to when we have practice. We're able to. To know what to expect we get that fuel mileage number we get to know what our handling's like we get to know what our fall offs like and and you get to check a lot of boxes and that even that short practice you check a lot of the boxes so you know what to expect when it comes race time and uh, there's so many things that go into these races and i just named off a few of them let alone just that starting balance of your race car and and you know are you gonna be fast enough is it gonna be too loose or too tight or, or whatever and um, so you just have to trust, you know, the, I have a great group of engineers that I trust and, and, and put that trust in them to, to help go through those things. And, and then the other crew chiefs, we just, we work really well together as a group. So um, that's relieved a lot of that stress, but definitely there's always the, there's a hard, hard gulp as you're heading into turn one at full speed um, for the first time every weekend without practice, that's for sure. So we're in the middle of the round of 12, Las Vegas, Talladega, the Roval, the following week. Is this one of the more difficult rounds in the entire playoffs, in your opinion? This is the probably the most uh, uh, questionable when, when you don't have as much control. You know, Talladega, you don't feel like you have a ton of control. And the Roval is a race that a lot of things can happen. Um, a lot of different failures and different accidents happen that aren't in your control. So definitely less control in this round than others. Um, it's a good round for us because... We, we have fast cars at all three. We just proved that in, in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, didn't get the points we thought we could get. We feel like we're always fast at the speedways, and Hendrick is, is really great at, uh, at, at the Roval and 
and at uh, all road courses. So I feel really good about that. Um, the last round is hard too, but all those short tracks, you know, you have so many surprises, all the wrecks that happened in Darlington. Um, you're waiting for what wreck's gonna happen in Bristol and, and, and Richmond's just really tough racetrack for some, for us especially. So um, that's, you know, after we get through this, I feel like, you know, when you get into the third round, if you make it, it's it's more straightforward. It's, you know, it's Texas and Kansas and Martinsville. It's races that we, we've run on for a long time at the same time of year, and it's pretty straightforward. Now, one of the things that obviously will be falling in the middle of this playoff run is when we get done at the Roval with this car, there's an organizational test with the next gen car. What are you looking to learn? How, how closely will you be tuned into that, managing that, and also managing what happens next in this year's playoffs? Yeah, I mean, thankfully we have a, a ton of, of really smart people here at uh, Hendrick Motorsports. We're, we haven't had to do a ton with that next gen car yet, you know, so we have a, a full team, you know, with crew chief, full team, you know, car chief, mechanics, engineers, that take care of that on a regular basis. And uh, we'll be heading over and checking in uh, when William is able to drive some and, and just kind of get an idea of it. But, but uh, Texas will be our main focus that week. So go over there for a couple hours, um, you know, check it out, see how it's going, see some of the quirks, see if we can get an idea of how we can maybe help the process of practicing or anything. It's, it's, the, it's not like how to make the car handle better necessarily always. It's also just how to work on it, you know, and how what, kind of what we need on scales, what we need in the garage and those things. Cause um, that'll be important too, is anytime you have a new type of car um, and you have a short practice, it's about being efficient with, with your practice and being able to work on the car and get changes done and make laps. So um, all those things we'll be looking at, spending a few hours on uh, at that test and, and seeing what we can learn. Thanks, Mike. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's Cup Series action at the Charlotte Roval, and later, Myatt Snyder joins the show. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Woody Kane. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Cup Series playoff round of 12 concludes this weekend when the Cup cars race at the Charlotte Roval on Sunday afternoon. Here's what a few of the drivers had to say as we prepare to cut the playoff field down to eight. The NASCAR Cup Series heads to the Charlotte Motor Speedway to race once again at the Roval this weekend. The festivities will also include the playoff round of 12 as four drivers' 2021 championship dreams will come to an end. Once again, Hendrick Motorsports teammates William Byron and Alex Bowman have their backs against the wall heading into the cutoff race. Both drivers crashed out of Monday's rain-shortened race at Talladega, creating a must-win situation Sunday afternoon in Charlotte for Bowman. Yeah, we run well at the Roval before, so just got to go win. It's really all there is to it. So um, obviously frustrated with the situation that we're in, but what are you going to do? Just got to go execute. Byron's odds aren't much better as he'll likely need to visit Victory Lane. He's going to advance to the playoff round of eight. Yeah, just try to go to the Roval and, and win. You know, I, I think we've all, we've always had good cars there, so uh, just have to have more of the same, and uh, we'll see what happens. I think we'll be fine, so um, should have a shot at, at winning there, hopefully. Christopher Bell and Kevin Harvick are also below the cutoff line heading into this weekend. Bell's best shot of the round of eight is probably a win, while Harvick can advance by avoiding trouble and finishing near the top on Sunday. 
Kyle Busch and reigning champion Chase Elliott will both need to avoid disaster if they're going to hold off Harvick. Martin Truex Jr. is set up nicely to end his round of eight, having been one of the top road course racers in the sport the last few seasons. Truex is familiar with the challenges that racing at the Roval presents. You know, the biggest uh, challenge with the Roval is that, um, you know, you somewhat have to set your car up to run uh, on the oval, uh, especially, you know, turns three and four of the oval. So it really, um, it kind of keeps you from really setting the car up the way you want to for the infield. And so it just makes it a big challenge. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, it always seems like the infield there is, um, you know, obviously it's, it's pretty bumpy. It's really narrow. There's a lot of kind of, you know, undulations like up and down kind of deal. And um, the car is just never really in the racetrack very good because the tires are so hard for the oval. So it's just a big compromise. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, really hard to get your car working right. And, and it's a real challenge to get it around there. Joey Logano was a part of the championship four last season currently sits in prime position to race for a championship once again this fall as he heads to the Roval in third. Logano, the runner-up in last season's race and a top 10 finisher in each of the Roval races, should feel confident heading into Sunday. Yeah, to me it feels, I know that I've ever raced any street courses before, but it feels a lot like a, a street course. Um, you know, it, it's, it's bumpy in places. Uh, there's not much room for error. You, know, you, you make a mistake, you pop the wall. Uh, there's not many road courses that we go to that you can hit the wall, um, and, and, you know, with a small mistake. Uh, so, you know, that, that part makes it pretty interesting. Um, you know, there, there's sections of the racetrack that have some heavy braking, and then there's sections of the racetrack that you're just not getting wide open. You're just putting around, trying to look for grip. Uh, you know, so it, it's, it makes it pretty fun. You know, last year you had some rain to it. On top of that, it gets even more interesting. Uh, you think of rain races, uh, you, you think that's the place, of, the least of, <laughs> that's the worst place it could possibly rain. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, I think at this point we've all kind of understand how to you know, get around it. It's not as crazy as it once was. Um, so, you know, I think overall, you know, be okay. The Motor Racing Network is off this weekend, but our colleagues over at the Performance Racing Network will have you covered as we find out who will make it into the round of eight Sunday afternoon at America's Home for Racing. Coming up, Xfinity Series playoff driver Myatt Snyder, and later, another edition of This Week in NASCAR History. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Woody Kane. Thanks for joining us on NASCAR Live. You know, like the NASCAR Cup Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series will go from 12 playoff drivers down to eight following this weekend's race at the Charlotte Roval. Myatt Snyder is one of those drivers in desperate need of a strong run at Charlotte as he sets 24 points outside the top eight in 10th. Snyder sat down with our Kim Kuhn as he prepares to fight for his playoff life. Here they come off the end of the back straightaway for the final time. It's Wyatt Snyder down low, but here comes Tyler. 
the Reddick topside. He is flying around the outside lane. Snyder drifts up to put the block on. Checkered flag in the air. Last ditch effort at the line. Side by side. And Myatt Snyder wins the contender votes 250 at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Myatt Snyder no longer has to wait to find out what it tastes to like to go to victory lane. Myatt Snyder is the winner here at Homestead. What's your expectation as we launch into the championship run? Uh, obviously, everybody's going to pick the aggression up, you know. Um, but for me, I am just going to try and keep it as consistent as I possibly can because, you know, uh, you know, being that I, I grew up in the son of an announcer's house, um, I get to see all the mistakes highlighted that other guys make in the championship runs. So I feel like, you know, some guys try and become heroes in the playoffs and then they end up, you know, taking themselves out just due to simple mistakes that they may have not have made before. So for me, it's just... You know, I feel like we can give ourselves some success by just doing what we're doing well right now and staying consistent and uh, minimizing all the mistakes. You've had an interesting season so far when we kind of take a bird's eye overhead view. You know, you get that win early at Homestead, then the middle of the regular season seemed to be a little bit challenging for you and your team. And then I'd say probably the last like eight races or so, things to seem to have picked back up for you. What's been the difference during kind of the final stretch of the regular season for your team? Well, I think um, the difference is that, you know, what, what happened after Homestead is that I had to kind of face some things that I may have not have realized because I think what Homestead did is it gave me a lot of confidence to say, man, I can go do this and man, I can, you know, I'm going to contend this year. And I think, you know, maybe some of that was a little bit of overconfidence and it kind of, you know, showed off some issues that I needed to work on with myself. Um, so, I think the difference the last couple races is that I've just brought a new level of focus and I've been able to kind of refine some of my processes to get ready for a race and uh, just take a different level of awareness and a different level, different maturity level to some of these races. So I think that's made a big difference. It's helped my mentality throughout the races and you know maybe some situations that would have gotten to me before don't get to me as much now. And I've just been able to really, been able to stay focused all these races. Definitely um, making improvements, uh, you know, on the personal front. What do you think that, you know, the team is doing as a whole to kind of bring things up a notch as we go into these playoffs? Well, you know, we, we talked about how maybe the middle of the season once wasn't the best for us. And, you know, one other thing that happens because of that is that, you know, when you're kind of not running where you expect to, you know, the team can't pull as much information about you know what may have worked and what may have not you know because we're like you know we're not changing anything and we're not running all that better or maybe we're running worse you know so i think you know having that consistency that we've had the last you know seven eight weeks it's been it's helped the team to figure out okay this is starting to work and we're starting to figure this out and you know we're doing this better um you know we've all we all excuse me we've all had our mistakes throughout the year but the key thing is that we haven't given up throughout all this and that we've had grit and you know I, I look at Bristol as a good example of, you know, why our performance, I think, will be good in the playoffs because, you know, I had to go back to like 15th on back, you know, three or four times. And we had speed to go and win the race and we were able to drive back up to eighth despite being, you know, I think 15th or 16th with 40 to go. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like our grid is what's going to get us through this. And I feel like the consistency that we've established is going to get us through this. And uh, I feel really good about things. Obviously, winning a championship is the ultimate goal, but at the end of the day, besides the championship, what would you consider for yourself a successful playoff run? You know, I think um, right now, if you were to ask anybody else, if you were to say, hey, is my a championship contender? They'd probably say no. Um, so obviously, 
if we make it to the championship four, that enough is that is success enough for me. But uh, for right now, I'm trying to keep as, as realistic of expectations as I can. And that for me is, you know, making it to the round of eight and then maximizing our performance then and giving ourselves the best shot to get in the final four. So um, I think we could be a top five uh, team going throughout all this if we do everything right. And obviously anything from there is icing. Um, but I think we can go out and surprise some people. So for me, I'm, you know, trying to just focus on executional stuff, but I think that we have a really good shot to surprise some people. Are you someone that you feel like thrives when you don't have attention, when you're kind of under the radar, or do you feel like you thrive better when there is attention or a spotlight on you? I am definitely the former because, you know, when I was racing in the 93 car last year, I had some really, really good runs, especially, you know, going toward towards the, the playoffs um, and I was fortunate enough to find enough funding to you know fill out you know most of the season in the 93 and then have a couple races in the 21 to help me out and you know I almost won at Pocono um, but there was lots of races where I ran extremely well for you know what the 93 usually runs you know I, I was uh, up in the top three at the at the Robo when it was raining um, had a top 10 at Darlington had a top 10 at the Daytona road course um, finished I think seventh at uh, Homestead Miami and was I think fourth or fifth with like two to go so um yeah I think um I've always been good flying under the radar so uh maybe that's just uh, where I where I naturally operate awesome well my best of luck hopefully we will be talking to you as part of the championship four hopefully so thanks for having me thank you Cam coming up this week in NASCAR history This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. All right, folks, it's that time of the week again. This week in NASCAR history with Susie Armstrong. Susie? This week we beat it back to 1983. Michael Jackson's thriller shatters sales records and gobbles up Grammys. Faceman Peck, Howlin' Mad Murdoch, B.A. Baracus, and Hannibal Smith were crack commandos for hire if you could find them, as the A-Team tops primetime TV. Negotiations break down with Mayor Koch, prompting the New York Jets to take off from legendary sports venue Shea Stadium. And Daryl Waltrip was on full thrust, dominating early, then rocketing back to the lead in the final laps of the Holly Farms 400 at North Wilkesboro Speedway. The old chrome horn. Allison is still in behind Earnhardt. In single file, they've got race traffic. Bobby looks to the high side in turn number three. It's the battle for second place. Here comes Allison on the outside. Waltrip will take the checkered flag as Bobby gets way up on the high groove. Can't get the job done as Earnhardt gets the second spot. 1993, Garth Brooks had all the pieces to a number one country song as eight going down till the sun comes up rocked country radio. The top pay sports network reached out to younger viewers as ESPN2 debuted with a Gen X lineup. Chevy Chase takes a vacation from primetime as Fox takes the axe to the Chevy Chase show after a short five-week run. And short track master Rusty Wallace made quick work of the competition, sweeping the season at North Wilkesboro. Doing what he has to do, Rusty Wallace comes out of turn four. He wins. He leads the most laps. He's now only 72 points behind Dale Earnhardt. Rusty Wallace to victory lane in the Tyson Holly Farms 400 here in North Wilkesboro. 1999, Creed soars to new altitudes with the alternative hit, Higher. Tommy Lee Jones and Ashley Judd tracked down the real killer in the noir adventure crime thriller, Double Jeopardy. 
And Jeff Gordon's dominance wasn't threatened by the absence of crew chief Ray Evernham as the NASCAR champ led the final 25 laps to win the Napa Auto Care 500 at Martinsville Speedway. Gordon brings him off turn number two, down the back straight away. Fans are standing here waiting to see if Dale can make anything happen. He's right up on the bumper of Jeff Gordon at four. Tries to get to him in turn four. Gordon gets the run off the corner. He'll hold him off. Jeff Gordon wins in Brian Weitzel's debut as a NASCAR Winston Cup crew chief. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Well, that's about all the time we've got on this week's edition of NASCAR Live. We want to thank Ryan Blaney, Rudy Fugel, Myatt Snyder, and our Steve Post. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrion and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ford has put the stock back in stock car, and now you can register for your chance to be Ford Performance's VIP guest and watch the NASCAR Next Gen Mustang hit the track for the first time in 2022. One grand prize winner and their guest will receive a trip for two to Daytona Beach with VIP access. Ford Performance driver meet and greets, round trip airfare, and more. Register now through November 7th at FordNextGen.com. That's FordNextGen.com. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.